Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Good evening and happy Saturday, September 29th. And this is the Evan Witt Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening to the Evan Witt Podcast. I hope you're all enjoying your day, uh, wherever you may be listening from. And if you are uh, uh, feeling like it, you can go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, at Evan Witt Sports, I would appreciate the follow. And please rate uh, us, uh, this podcast, on iTunes, the Evan Witt podcast, the Evan Witt Show. Uh, give me a rating on iTunes. Let me know what you think of the show. So I, I want to, there's lots to talk about today. The Milwaukee Brewers clinched a playoff berth and now with a win today and tomorrow, the Milwaukee Brewers can do no worse but tie for the NL Central Division. The Chicago Cubs lost to the St. Louis Cardinals today. 2-1, to one, and that opens the door for the Milwaukee Brewers to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, not the playoffs, the, the division. So, you know, they have a lot that they can uh, still accomplish and a lot that they can still celebrate with a victory tonight and tomorrow. So talk a little bit Milwaukee Brewers, talk some Christian Yelich, the, to me, the front runner for NL MVP. I don't think there is a better choice than him. And no disrespect to Javi Baez at all, Javier Baez at all. No disrespect to him. But I think if you look at the big picture with Christian Yelich and you look at the second half, especially that he has had and the career numbers he has uh, done, I, I don't know any other way why you. Uh, you don't pick him, and Baez is a great player. I, I get that, and Cubs fans, I apologize if you know if I'm pissing you off by saying that uh, <clears throat> that Christian Yelich is the the MVP. But that, that's just what I feel, and I look at what he's done. You know, I'm also going to talk some Green Bay Packers, talk about that debacle in Washington where they just literally got their ass handed to them in every aspect of the game. Uh, second half, the defense played much better, but offensively they struggled. I'm going to talk about that a little bit and then talk about their game coming up against the Buffalo Bills. It's suddenly uh, hot Buffalo Bills who beat the Minnesota Vikings a week ago, kicked the crap out of the Vikings, and the Bills are looking for their sixth straight victory against the NFC North Division. So that's mostly what the show is going to be about today, Brewers and Packers. So, 
you know, with that, before I get started, I do want to encourage you. I am a I am a fitness coach on the side, aside from podcasting, aside from my my full time job. I am a fitness coach, and I want to invite you if you are looking to finish 2018 on a strong note. We have three months left in 2018, and right now is the perfect time to get started. Beachbody. That's what I use. That's what I've used to help me lose 150 pounds over the last several, uh, few years. Getting in the best shape I've ever been in. Uh, exploding my confidence in myself. Exploding my self-esteem to the point that I can now do this podcast uh, and color commentary and officiating and you name it. And I owe it all to taking care of my health. It, it helped me in mentally, physically, emotionally. It's helped me all across the board. And I want to help you do the same. And the thing with Beachbody On Demand is you get access to thousands of dollars worth of workout programs that you can do in the comfort of your own home or in a gym. That's up to you. You don't have to pay monthly fees. You don't have to pay membership dues. You don't have to worry about equipment being broken. You don't have to worry about if the equipment's clean or not. If you do it out in the comforts of your own home, you don't have to worry about driving to the gym in a snowstorm for those that live in snowy areas and trying to find a parking spot. And the gym I I, I go to to do my Lift 4 program, you know, they cut part of the parking lot down because they had to open up Burger King, and now it's hard to, even harder to find spots to park. So, you know, if you're interested in losing weight, getting healthy, changing your life for the better, shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com, and I am here to help you get healthy. So first thing first, Milwaukee Brewers. You know, David Stearns, I think he has to be the general manager of the year. The roster that he's assembled since he's come on to Milwaukee and the moves that he made during the offseason with uh, Jalice Tasheen, Wade Miley, signing those two guys uh, when the Hugh Darvis thankfully fell through because he went to the Cubs and they didn't go after... Uh, some of the other big name pitchers on the market, they signed to he signed to Sheen and Miley to to help with that starting rotation. And after Miley dealt with some injuries, he's really been a, a dominant pitcher in this rotation. And Tashin has been quite surprising as well. Then uh, don't forget about bringing in Gio Gonzalez late uh, at the last minute of the waiver deadline. Uh, brought up, brought in Jordan Lyles, who's uh, played, you know, has helped out a little bit with this team, and uh, Xavier Cedeno brought him in to help with the bullpen. So the Brewer, you know, he's done a lot to get this pitching uh, strong. He brings in Eric Kratz when the catching position is shaky, as he wouldn't believe, and he's now become the everyday catcher, and he's been a great addition to the team, both on the field and in the locker room. A great leader. Uh, to this, to this, uh, to this Brewer team, Mike Mustakis, a Brewer addition, has played outstanding this year since coming over from Kansas City. Uh, right at the trade deadline, uh, Jonathan Scope, he's uh, shown flashes at times of maybe turning it around. 
You know, don't forget about bringing in Christian Yelich before the year started and Lorenzo Kane before the year started. And then uh, getting right at, uh, again at the last minute of the waiver deadline, bringing in Curtis Granderson, the can- the Grandy man, who is a veteran. He's been around him, Kane, and Moustakis. They've all been in, on World Series teams. And they bring that veteran leadership to the team and of course, Brian Braun still there uh, as a veteran, and all those contributed, along with the other guys that were already here, uh, like the Ryan Braun, the Domingo Santana, the Jesus Aguilar, Hernan Perez. They all contributed Orlando Arcia to the Milwaukee Brewers clinching a playoff spot for the fifth time in franchise history, and the first since 2011, and it's helped put them in position for the the Brewers to win the division, something that just a few weeks ago most people did not think was possible. But now the Milwaukee Brewers are in position to win the NL Central Division with a win today and tomorrow. Like I said, at worst, if uh, they win out, we're going we're gonna to have a game 163. That's at worst. Against down in Chicago on Monday. So, you know, the Brewers, I don't think, get here though, if it was not for a Christian Yelich, who is batting 321 as a 583 slugging and 978 OPS, has hit 34 home runs now. And he, uh, he has uh, just been outstanding for Milwaukee, and he's been leading this team to victory after victory. Brewers at 93 wins at the moment, and Christian Yelich is a, Yelich is a big reason why. And if they don't have Christian Yelich on this team, if they don't have Lorenzo Cain on this team, they're not in this position. Those are the two, to me, the two MVPs of the Brewers. And I think Christian Yelich, with his numbers, is truly the MVP of the National League. Javi Baez, unfortunately for Yelich, Javi Baez plays in a a higher market. He, uh, he's one of the more electrifying players in baseball. He has 34 home runs uh Ish 111 RBIs. This is through Wednesday, uh, and he's played multiple infield positions while the Cubs have been uh, dealing with injuries. So the only thing that can really stop him is he strikes out a lot and has a low on base percentage. But those are really the only issues that he's had as a player. I know he didn't get a hit today, but being that he played in Chicago, bigger market, uh, that might steal. And then the fact too that Lorenzo Kane. You can also make an argument should be in consideration for MVP. That could hurt his chances, too, of getting the MVP. Uh, Yelich, that is. So I, I'm just enjoying the ride. You, you know, the baseball season, 162 games. And I keep saying it, and I've said it a lot. I've said it on shows. I've said it to friends. I've said it to numerous people that... You know, you don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. You just go with the ride. You, you know, baseball is a long stretch, and it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, football is more of a sprint in comparison. Basketball is a marathon. Hockey is a marathon. They're marathons. And you don't want to get too high with every win. You don't get too low with every loss. Or you're going to be on an, an a roller coaster the entire year, and you're going to be worn out uh, if your team gets lucky enough to make the playoffs. 
And I've also said constantly over and over again, the only thing the Brewers need to focus on are the things that they can control. And that is what is in front of them. So like right now, yes, I keep saying that the Brewers can uh, still win the division. But the Brewers need to win tonight, okay? They need to win tonight to to have that opportunity. Then they need to win tomorrow. But, you know, Brewers focus on tonight. That's what's ahead of them. Then focus on tomorrow. That's what's ahead of them. You know, they they can't control what the Cubs do. If the Cubs go out and beat the Cardinals 50 to nothing tomorrow, they can't control that. If the Cardinals beat the Cubs 4 to nothing tomorrow, again, the Brewers can't control that. The one thing the 93 and 67 Milwaukee Brewers going into the game tonight can control is the game before them tonight against the Detroit Tigers. That's the, the one and only thing that the Brewers have control over. And that's what I've been saying all year. Focus on what you can control. Who cares what the Cubs are doing? Who cares what the Cardinals are doing? Focus on what you, the Milwaukee Brewers, can do. And the Brewers are going out today with uh, with their lineup. Apologize, I'm looking for their lineup. With Lorenzo Cain leading off. Christian Yelich batting second, Ryan Braun batting third, Jesus Aguilar fourth, Ernan Perez playing shortstop is batting fifth, Mike Moustakis third base batting seventh, Jonathan Scope second batting eighth, Eric Kratz catching batting uh, eighth, I mean Scope's batting seventh, and pitching and batting ninth is Wade Miley. So this has just been a special season for Milwaukee, and there's just something special special about it and I have a a gut feeling Brewer fans we're going to be in store for another celebration uh, either tomorrow after the game's over the 210 start or uh, at the end of October because something truly special and magical happens so Brewer fans keep filling Miller Park keep cheering on the Brewers keep doing what you've been doing so, now I want to switch gears, talk some football, talk some Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers uh, had a debacle in Washington last week. I think that's probably the nicest way to say it. I, I did change the explicit rating that I could have some explicit content in here, but I did change it. Uh, I did change that, but I, I still want to try to you know keep it re- relatively clean. But I may slip in a swear every now and then. But the Packers lose thirty-one to seventeen, and at one point it was a twenty-eight to three game. Not exact a twenty. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's right. But still, not exactly what you want to see, and it was just a sloppy game all the way around. Aaron Rodgers was off. I, there was something about it that was off. I don't know what, but he just seemed off. Um, the Randall Cobb seemed off, and maybe the hamstring injury that he uh, suffered or he is questionable for for the game on uh, on Sunday, maybe you know that has something to do with it too. Uh, why he was off, but he had multiple drops. He had a fumble. Randall Cobb was just not himself overall. Uh, defensively, Kentrell Bryce continued to look awful at the safety position. Uh, 
He's continuing to look bad. Hockla and Dix look bad in spurts. They lose Mohamed Wilkinson for the season uh, in this game with an ankle or leg injury. And the defense couldn't get off the field at all in the first half. And uh, Alex Smith had all day to throw the football. He had all day to make his reads, all day to make progressions. Adrian Peterson looked like he was 10 years younger, running for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Could have ran for more. Vernon Davis with 70 yards on two catches. Jordan Reed four for 65. And then Jamison Crowder, the only other player with uh, other than you know Crowder, Reed, and Davis, the only players with more than one catch on Washington. And defensively, they couldn't protect Rodgers. Payne had a sack. Jonathan Allen had two sacks. Uh, Io Dynas had a sack. They just got pressure on Rodgers all day. And the Packers then ultimately just could not get going. And I, I think the field position had something to do. I mean, the field conditions had something to do with that. It was rainy. It was wet. And the uh, Washington's field is known for being a very sloppy surface. And it definitely was. And I think that had a lot to do with Rodgers. Because he was off on a lot of his throws. Some of his throws were behind. Some of the throws were ahead. He failed to pull the trigger on some throws. He didn't see some people. And I think that field had a lot to do with it. Because I don't think he felt comfortable on that field. I don't know if it was physically or mentally. But something was off on Rodgers on this field in Washington. I don't know what it was. Now, fortunately, it's looking like it's likely not going to storm or rain too much during the game. Uh, according to Drew Bagorn. Some showers prior to the game, cloudy with the chance for a dry window during the game, and it's going to be in the 50s. So the game should be, uh, the field conditions should be much better for the, the Green Bay Packers uh, against Buffalo. But I, I, every, and I was talking to my boss at my full time job about this, and this is what he was saying. And actually, it was Rami Makloff, my apologies, was saying it. He was listening to the Wendy's Big Show. In Milwaukee, and he was saying that every you know every team has a game like this. Every team has a game where you just scratch your set head and you say, "How the hell did that just happen? What the hell was that? What, how did this just happen?" You always have those games, and maybe this is it for Green Bay. But you know they didn't help themselves at all, and part of it, you know, I I, I could put part of it on Mike McCarthy too. Is and part of it was because he didn't have a you know he had to try to dig out of a a big deficit, but um, Aaron Jones only had six carries, Jamal Williams five, Ty Montgomery four, and uh, Jones only had one catch. So and they got the Packers got to get Aaron Jones involved, and I get it. It was Aaron Jones first came back from a two game suspension. I get it. You don't want to rush him. Out there getting 30, you know, like 10, 15 uh, touches. I, I, I know that. But really, you got to get Aaron Jones involved. You, you have to. You, you got you to gotta, uh, get him involved in the running and the passing game. He is a weapon. He's a weapon that the Packers have not had in a while. You know, Jamal Williams, I, I'm sorry. I, I get it. You know, he came on strong last year. But if I see Jamal Williams running to the back of his offensive line one more time when uh, when it's supposed to be a zone play or there's a hole if he would have just been more patient and tried to cut back, uh, he just runs into the back of the line. 
What Mike McCarthy needs to do is get 33 and 88 more involved. And he may need to get 88 more involved at wide receiver with, with Randall Cobb injury. So that's my thought on Packers and Washington. It was just one of those days that we just want to throw the game film in the garbage. Let's not look at it ever again, and let's move on to Buffalo. Speaking of Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, uh, like I mentioned, five straight victories against the NFC North. They just kicked the living crap out of the Minnesota Vikings, and you know I love saying that. Um, but you know the Bills are they're looking to win their second in a row, and they've played six bad quarters of football, and they played six good quarters of football. You know the Bills are dealing with a Lashawn McCoy injury, who not play against the Vikings, but he says he's ready to play uh, this week, which would be big for Buffalo as Packers have been giving up a a bit on the ground during the year and. That so far this year, McCoy is great at uh, uh, catching the ball in the backfield, and the Packers tend to struggle in tackling as they showed in Washington. Um, Buffalo's coming in with uh, Josh Allen as their starting quarterback, and you never really know what to expect because we haven't seen a lot of film on Josh Allen as, an, as a pro. We haven't, and I think that's what you saw in Minnesota a lot. You know, the nice thing is Mike Pettin had more film to watch on Allen than the uh, Vikings did. But I do know this about Allen. In the game against Minnesota, he threw a lot of short passes. He threw a lot of short, quick strikes uh, that gave his receivers an opportunity to make guys miss in the open field. And that's what that's what, uh, that's what what got the the, Viking, uh, the Bills to win. They, they, they played to Allen's strengths as him being inexperienced, and they kind of went with it from there. But... I got a feeling Buffalo will do the same to Green Bay, and that's when tackling is going to be huge. They got to tackle better. They have to tackle better. They can't let guys miss. And they also got to cover better. You know, I guarantee you, the coordinator for Buffalo, I'm not sure who their offensive coordinator is, but the offensive coordinator for Buffalo saw two weeks in a row Kentrell Bryce screw up on the deep ball and he's going to be watching uh, to attack that if he sees Kentrell Bryce trying to play that deep ball again. I guarantee you that's where Allen is going to look. They're going to have a, a, a designed play to try to get the ball over the top if they get Kentrell Bryce in deep coverage again uh, on a play. I guarantee that. Touchdown to Richardson. Touchdown to Stephon Diggs the week before, which Devon House gets a lot of blame for that. But I, I get part of that blame to, I put part of that blame on uh, Kentrell Bryce too because he was supposed to be helping. So a little bit about Buffalo. So offensively, Buffalo has gone three and out on fifty four percent of its plays uh, drives this season. They're on pace to have the highest rate of three and outs in fifteen years. Their offensive line is garbage. They're not very good. Unfortunately, the Packers' pass rush is garbage, not very good. And Nick Perry may not play as he's uh, been going through the concussion protocol. Uh, Reggie Gilbert got yanked out of the game last week after he messed up on a on an assignment. He got yanked out the game. So you're going to have Clay Matthews, Kyle Frack, Kyler Frackle, and Reggie Gilbert as po- possibly your only three outside linebacking options. So I wouldn't be surprised if they put some Orwin, Orwin Burks outside linebacker a little bit and try to rush him off the edge too. 
But the Packers pass rush, if this if there is a week that the Packers pass rush was gonna show up and actually do something, this is the week. This is the week for the pass rush to really do something. You got a horrible offensive line, you got a rookie quarterback, so this is the week they gotta show up and get some pressure on Allen and hit him. Hit him, get him to the ground. But be very careful when you hit him because you don't want to hit him too hard. Because you don't want to, uh, you know, draw for the third week in a row a questionable uh, roughing the passer penalty. Maybe the fourth week in a row that you get a roughing the passer penalty, period. So the Bills defense, through the first six games, Bills defense gave up 75 points and 10 touchdowns. I'm sorry, first six quarters. Through, for over the last six quarters, they have given up nine points and one touchdown. They do have a strong run defense. They're fifth in the NFL in that. And they held Minnesota to for 14 yards on six carries. Now, the Packers go into this game with a number of their issues, too. Uh, defensively, they have a lot of poor tackling, a lot of missed assignments, very undisciplined at times. And basically, they need consistency. The defense needs consistency, and then this is the week to do it. They give up 28 in the first half to Washington, 22 in the fourth quarter against the Vikings. They gave up after Bears had a 10-play, 86-yard drive on offense to start the game for a touchdown. The Bears just got 210 yards and 3.75 yards per play. They had 210 I'm sorry, in uh, quarters one through three, the defense gave up 147 yards and a touchdown versus the Vikings. After that, 191 on 20 plays for three touchdowns against Washington in the first half, 336 yards and 28 points, just 50 yards on 21 plays and three points after that. So the pack, the Packers need to get more consistency. They got to play a complete game. That's what they got to do. And to me, a lot of it is growing pains as a new defensive coordinator and just the talent level. Because I don't feel the talent level is that strong on defense. I think it's not as strong as people want to make it out to be. I think the Packers' safety position is one of the weakest positions in the entire National Football League. I probably can't pick much of a different... uh, I can't probably think of a team that has worse safety play than the Packers right now. Maybe Atlanta, since all their safeties are hurt. But at least that's the reason why the safety position is going to struggle for for Atlanta. But the Packers have have opportunities to improve the safety position, just like they've had opportunities to improve their linebacking position, but they haven't. They've neglected those positions. They're comfortable with Kentrell Bryce back there. They're comfortable with Clinton Dix back there. They're comfortable with Whiteside back there. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some Tremont Williams at safety if Kentro Bryce continues to struggle. But they had Eric Reed in the free agent free agency. He's now in Carolina, and then Earl Thomas can probably be had for a pretty reasonable draft pick at this point. So I expect the Packers to blitz a lot against against uh, Buffalo. I mean, with the poor offensive line play and just. And in general, according to Ben Fennell, uh, the Packers have given up a 31.2 QBR when blitzing with two interceptions and two sacks and zero touchdown. Quarterback inside the 30 are 16 and 20 with uh, four TDs, zero interceptions, and a 135.8 rating. So Packers need to get better in the red zone, and then they got to blitz more, ultimately. See, 
go to Buffalo game. There's a lot. Like, there's offensively, you know, defensively. I talked. They got to get pressure on Allen. Uh, they just have to. They got to tackle better. They got to get guys. You know, they they can't let they can't extend drives, and they can't have uh, downfield penalties like they did against uh, Washington offensively. I don't think I mentioned their keys to victory offensively. They got to get to a fast start. They have to get a fast start. They got to. They can't struggle against Chicago. A couple three and outs in a row to start the game. A bunch of three and outs in a row to start the game against Washington. A few three and outs and punts to start the game against Washington. Minnesota. They had a strong first half on offense, but struggled in the second half. But they got they got to play fast. And if I'm Green Bay, I implement some no huddle early in the game. Not wait till it's desperation mode. Go no huddle early in the game and get that ball out of there quickly. Rodgers needs to play within the pocket and he needs to get the ball out quick. That's going to be key. He can't hold the ball, especially with a banged up Brian Bulaga, a Byron Bell, those guys playing your right side, and there's a good chance we might have Jason Spriggs playing the right side if is not able to go, or if his back locks up during the game, we're going to have Jason Spriggs out there. Backup tackle, another spot that's been neglected by Green Bay. So Rodgers needs to get that ball out in a hurry, and the Packers need to feature Aaron Jones and Tom Montgomery in this game with all... No disrespect to Jamal Williams. Those are your guys that can make people miss when you get the ball in their hands. They can make something out of nothing. We've seen Aaron Jones do it. We've seen Ty Montgomery do it. And I think this will be a big game for Ekmenius St. Brown. My guess is is he will be active this week if Randall Cobb is unable to play. He will be active, and I think he might have a big game. I think he will have a big game. I see the Packers winning the game. I see the Packers getting back to playing a complete football game and playing some dominating football. And I see the Packers winning 31-17. to And I think Buffalo gets a touchdown late in the game. So the score is going to be closer than the... Uh, the game is going to be closer than the... I'm sorry, the score... The score is going to be closer than what the game actually was. Because like I said, I think Buffalo might get a late touchdown. But my prediction is the Packers that win in dominating fashion and they win 31-17. And unfortunately, there'll be Packer fans that are going to overreact, saying that the Packers are back. Uh, you know, they're back to dominating. Here we count playoffs and forget and ignore some of the uh, some of the issues and deficiencies that we've seen uh, so far this season. They're just going to basically forget about them and think that everything's fine but it's really not and but the thing is a win's a win and means now we got two victories on the year and we move forward to the Packers next opponent so what are your thoughts on the on the Packer game what are your thoughts tweet me at Evan with sports feel free to uh you know, feel free to follow me on Twitter and tweet at me. Feel free to email me, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com, and let me know what you think, Packers and Buffalo on Sunday. So with that said, I want to thank you all for giving me a listen. I appreciate the support. Uh, let me know what you think of the show on one of the methods I just mentioned, at Evan with Sports or Coach Evan 
66 at gmail.com. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all enjoy. And with that, go pack, go.